Welcome, everybody, yet another episode of the Wrestling vs. the World podcast. You know, you're doing your day awesome. If not, whatever. <laughs> anyway, so, covered the debut episode of Saturday Morning Slam, and just as I'm recording this, I just sat through the second episode. And for some reason, I couldn't find my Battle of Bleach. <laughs> anyway, so, September 1st, 2012 edition of Saturday Morning Slam. Time to cover this one, and, uh, yeah, it was not much better. So, to start off, they introduced a brand new segment called Fave 5. Not the same as Top 5 that we saw with Todd Facefuck Phillips. But he's like, they're doing this whole countdown of the Top 5 favorite catchphrases from WWE. Some of them I couldn't even fucking tell, really. Like, if one of them I couldn't tell what they were trying to be. Number 5, they said, if you smell what the Rock is cooking. I mean, it almost seemed like they were trying to say, when the Rock comes to wherever people are happy and you start with the whole finally the rock has come back whatever but of course smell the rock's cooking number four i could not tell if they said the fourth best phrase was woo by rick flair or to be the man you've got to beat to the man it's one of those two i couldn't tell which one they were trying to say was the freaking phrase because they had both phrases on there number three i'm the miz and i'm awesome how can you put that above the rock's phrase there of all places number two you can't see me really how is you can't see me more iconic than if you smell what the rock is cooking at least i can say i don't have a problem with number one they saying and yeah, that's the bottom line because stone cold said so and of course they're doing all these video packages and everything and of course it's going to be hard to do a video package on a tvg show when you've got stone cold there I mean, like, you got freaking middle fingers, drinking beer, like, freaking swearing and everything. How are, you can't showcase so cold on a G-rated show, please. Anyway, so now we got the second segment, a discussion about signatures and the history of it with John Hancock in regards to the Constitution. It seemed like, oh, his signature was so big, some king needed glasses to read them because it was gigantic. If, if you need freaking glasses, it clearly can't be too big to see. Okay, you don't need, like, does a freaking porn star or female porn star need glasses to see a giant cock in her face on Pornhub? No. She can clearly see without that shit. And then they decide, hey, superstars, let's have you sign on the camera with dry erase markers like Layla, Dolph Ziggler, Kofi... I think The Miz, I don't know if he's signed it. Like, there are a few people, and then they were asked, what are some of the weirdest things you've ever had to sign? I think it was either Dolph or The Miz, or somebody said the weirdest thing they ever had were asked to sign was a prosthetic leg. Okay, I didn't know you ran into Zach Gowan all of a sudden. I don't... I... Weird. I mean, at least it wasn't as bad as last episode going about the freaking olympic sports like what's your favorite olympic sport i don't give a shit but now they decided to introduce a new segment as well called wwe pop quiz and it's with alex riley yeah he went from doing some stuff on wwe television to doing this and then commentary so the question was and here's exactly what it said on March 26, 2001, who beat Vince McMahon to the punch and signed on the dotted line to become the new owner of WCW? Now, before I give the answers, let me preface this by saying, what kid out there that is watching this show is going to know about something that happened before they were freaking born? Do you really think kids 
were encyclopedias to the history of wrestling and to know about freaking this whole thing about the purchase of WCW on television right before WrestleMania 17? No, I get that the internet is more accessible to kids like in this day and age because of social media and everything be that you want to look up, you can easily do it nowadays. But what kid is going to know that? Like, ugh. I mean, I get it. They give him multiple choice answers. You give him three answers. Stephanie McMahon, Shane McMahon, Triple H. And later on the show, they'll say, he'll say, here's going to be what the, here's what the answer will be. But it's like, really, what kid is going to know something that happened 11 years prior to when this episode aired? And like I said, most likely happened before they were born. You're, you're asking a question. Like, if you're going to ask a question, ask something about John Cena. Ask something about, uh, I'm trying to think of another one. Ask something about Daniel Bryan or something that a TVG kit, like, audience is going to know. And everything. I mean, last week you had the whole. You you're proving that other than the TV rating that you're pertaining to kids, because last week's episode you began with Brodus Clay dancing. He's like, oh, I hope you all had as much fun as I did. You don't look like you had fun. You're in a confined space. Yeah, you're between two women, but you're in a confined space dancing for like a few seconds, and you try to act like you're having fun. So it's clear that you're pertaining to small kids who are dumb enough to freaking partake in that and think that. Brodus is going to care. Now you think the kids are going to know this answer about who freaking beat Vince to the punch in terms of signing WCW? Anyway, I'll get to that answer right after this match because the only match you had on this card last week, we had, well, it was Kofi versus um, Heath Slater. This week, you got Brodus Clay versus Kurt Hawkins, and they finally have a banner out there on the ring apron for... Uh, Saturday morning slam, and I noticed there was at least one shirt being censored there. And who's in the commentary team again? Santino Morale with Josh Matthews, only this time, yeah, he's not United States champion. Thank goodness. So they're doing the match, and of course, we know the rule. No moves targeting the head or the neck, or else we gotta cut away to commentary. So they're doing this whole thing, and all of a sudden, Carl decides, hey, I'm gonna take time to dance without music and he's doing all these awkward dances like the filler doing the worm that whole leg grab like uh 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 thing i think he's doing the running man or something and it's like really you're good you're having a match and all you're doing is making the other person laugh and when, and when freaking kurt hawkins got knocked out of the ring santino scared him back in the ring with the cobra like hey the cobra like really you're gonna fall with that shit then before they went to commercial break brodus clay did the old school airplane spin before making himself and Kurt Hawkins dizzy to the point where Kurt Hawkins fell out of the ring. Yeah, we gotta make the kids laugh. Ah, ha 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 He's spinning in circles. Ah, he's dizzy. Maybe he'll throw up. Like, oh boy. And then, so at least like last time we had a match, you had Heath Slater and Kofi going after each other's arms because they didn't know what else to do. This time, Kurt Hawkins does the old trick that we always see in a smaller guy versus larger guy match. Just go after their leg. And for some reason, they cut away during part of that when they when you did that whole uh, leg break, robo-assisted leg break or whatever move that was that Brett would always do for one of his signature moves in preparing for the sharpshooters, like leg draped over the freaking bottom rope, boom, plant your butt into the leg, into the knee. But during that, they freaking cut away to the commentary team. It's like, is it really that violent? So anyway, all they did right after that was just out of nowhere, Brodus Clay hits an exploder suplex, running splash, and that's it. 
And then what felt like took they took on forever to do was and to finish off with was the dance thing, like with the kids and everything. Karen and Naomi are in there, and of course they can't wear the revealing tops that they usually do on a PG show, so they have to wear Funkasaurus shirts. And they decide, hey, Santino, come in here. They have Santino get in the ring and dance too with all the kids. Santino, you can't dance. And freaking ripping off the cobra and twirling around like, yeah, baby, like that's not G-rated either. Okay, that's like what a stripper freaking does. Like, yeah, whipped off the bra, woo, or the jacket, or whatever the fuck. That's, ay. It's like that, I get it they had to kill time because it's like it's a half an hour show, but that dance shit went on forever, to be honest. And finally, after this match, we got the answer. It's B, Shane McMahon to the pop quiz. He's the one that beat Vince McMahon to the punch and bought WCW. Like, again, what kids are going to know that? Really? Like, like I said, if they're going to ask questions for a G-rated audience, make sure it's during a time period where kids are actually going to know the answer. Because remember, you're asking a question about what happened at some point when WWE was TV-14, not TVG. Kids are not going to know that. All right, maybe they'll guess, but they're not going to be like, Oh, I know the answer! I mean, you've asked that freaking question on Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Kids are probably not going to know that either. It's like, oh, sports trivia. But now to finally close the show, you had the Saturday morning spotlight. And like I said, last time they were doing Brodus and the whole dance shit. This time they talk about Rey Mysterio and the origin of 619. I think he said the number to do the whole number thing was inspired by Austin 316, which is like, yeah, bullshit. I mean, by the time you were, I get it, you did the 619 after you came to W, when you came into WWE in 2002 and everything. But it's like, I highly doubt you were fully paying attention, really, to Stone Cold and everything. Because you had to put more focus on the fact that you're in WCW in 96 when Austin 316 happened. I Don't lie, Ray. Don't lie. And then to close it off, they do the whole step-by-step -step tutorial on how he does the 619. Like how far away from the ropes he is when he swings his leg around. Swing, then doing the move. Step, step, step. Springboard and all that. And then he has to end it saying, Oh yeah, kids, don't try this at home. If you don't want kids to try it at home, don't teach them how to do the move. Like, I mean, this is not how to wrestle here on YouTube if that channel's still around, I believe. It's like, you, if you don't want kids to know how to do something, don't do a tutorial. Don't teach them how to do this. Don't do the 619. Don't teach them how to do it, motherfucker. So, second episode didn't feel as cringeworthy as the first episode, but... Like, the match that they had, it did nothing for me. Short, the dance stuff went on forever. The signature stuff, I didn't care for. And again, what kids are going to know about a pop quiz from something that happened 11 years prior to when that episode aired? It, uh, What am I doing with my life right now? Anyway, if you all have seen the second episode, the September 1st, 2012 edition of WWE Ceremony Slam... Let me know your thoughts about it in the comment section below. If you want to seek out the episode, if you can stomach it, it's on the internet. Just it's either YouTube, Daily Motion, or VK.com. I don't I don't remember where I found it. But if you enjoyed today's episode, folks, please remember to leave a like, comment what you thought below, subscribe to the bell, turn on if you're listening to this on YouTube, or follow if you're listening to this on any other service. And I shall catch you all in the next episode of the podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Like, comment, subscribe. Peace out, and good day, everybody.